Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. 906, I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific shares are mixed this morning. Tokyo is up more than 1%. Seoul is basically flat but trending a bit higher. Sydney in the red. The ASX 200 down more than one third of a percent. Investors are setting aside a night of gains on Wall Street as they await consumer price data from China and assess local stories like big news here in Singapore regarding the government's succession plans. For more on that, joining me to break all the market action down is Ryan Huang. How are you feeling this Friday? Well, Friday is always great. So <laughs> one day, or at least it's very close to the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the happiness there. I'm right there with you. All right, Singapore abuzz this morning following Deputy Prime Minister Heng Sui Kiet's bombshell announcement that he is taking himself out of the running to become Singapore's next Prime Minister, leaving the race wide open. Heng will also step down as Finance Minister in a fortnight when the Cabinet is reshuffled, although he will continue to serve as Deputy Prime Minister. So Ryan, for those of us who haven't yet heard all the details, bring us up to speed this morning. Why is Heng Sui Kiet stepping aside? Yeah, so just to recap, he is stepping aside because he feels it's better for a younger person to take over someone with a longer runway, so to speak. Um, that is, of course, when Prime Minister, Prime Minister Lee Sen Long retires. So Mr. Heng Sui Kiet is going to be turning 60 years old right now. Uh, this year. And he also cited some of the reasons, including how the COVID-19 pandemic is going to be long-term and will be creating profound challenges. He, on top of his age, also cited the demands of the job. So there is a bit of everything, a bit of age, a bit of health concerns, a bit of the pressures of the job with what's coming with COVID-19. And you don't know when that will actually finish or when those challenges will finish around COVID-19. So that is leading him to say someone younger with a longer runway should be the person to next be in charge. Yep. He did mention uh, exceptional exceptional pressures on, on, the, on the top job. So no official announcement has been made. And Prime Minister Lee Sien Lung warns it will take time before a decision is made. But do we have a sense of who the leading candidates are who could take over the mantle of 4G leadership? Yeah, so a lot of conversations and chatter around who might be next. And it is pretty much going by the political analyst views, drilling down to four candidates. You've got it also in the, in the Straits Times, if you want to take a look. Chan Chun Singh is one of them, Ong Ye Kang, um, Lawrence Wong, and Desmond Lee. So these are the top four names that have come up. And of course, all four of them are in the PAP's Central Executive Committee. And they're also... At the press conference at the Istana yesterday when this announcement was announced. Good insight there. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Heng will also relinquish his finance portfolio. He served as Minister for Finance since 2015 and has presided over 10 budgets, including several last year to address the COVID-19 pandemic. The markets are going to be closely watching to see not just who is in line to be the next Prime Minister, but also who takes on the all-important finance portfolio. So do we have an idea yet of who the leading candidates for this job are? Yeah, those are big shoes to fill. And mm. if you look at what we have right now in terms of who is the second finance minister, you have them in the form of um, Indrani Raja and Lawrence Wong. So these two names might be closely watched, but there is no clarity yet if they'll be next to step up into the minister role. And also what's worth noting is 
Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long has said the latest development means there will be consequential moves in other ministries. So you could be seeing other ministers moving to the MOF. So there is so many ways this will play out. We will have to watch what happens at the upcoming cabinet reshuffle in two weeks' time. Yeah, it is still early days. Heng made his plans public yesterday evening and the markets are just opening now. But do we have a sense of how investors are going to take this news, this shake-up in Singapore's succession plans, which has come completely unexpected? Yeah, in short, investors are unlikely to be rattled by what's going on because in a sense, it is pretty much business as usual. You have the same leaders in government interacting with the foreign leaders and business leaders as well. So the mechanisms, the systems are still there. The fundamentals are still there. And going by the reactions that I've been tracking on the markets, the US dollar versus Sing dollar, not much a reaction there. So you have it pretty much flat right now, trading at around 1.34. And if you track what's happening when the announcement was made overnight you had the MSCI Singapore ETF trading in the US not also moving much just down by 0.1% tracking what happened on STI so in terms of market reaction so far there hasn't been any knee-jerk responses DPM Heng cites the COVID-19 crisis as one reason why he's stepping aside, saying he will have, quote, too short a runway to lead Singapore beyond the pandemic. Well, this morning we have a couple of indicators, one from here at home and another from overseas of just how the world is emerging from this pandemic and how it might look different in future. Let's start here in Singapore, where Marina Bay Sands is planning the largest trade show since the pandemic began more than a year ago. So some 25 100 people are expected to attend in person an architecture and building services event in late June. But the expo will certainly have a different field than pre-COVID gatherings, right, Ryan? Mm, so this is interesting because it might pave the way of how other expos and other exhibitions might be set up. So we mentioned 2,500 on-site participants on top of the 5,000 online visitors. So it's a bit of a hybrid event. And what's going to be different as well, on-site, you will only be having around 200 people admitted at one time. And you have the hall also split up into four zones. And there will be two-hour time slots between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. that visitors can choose. So there is a bit of um, cautious approach towards making sure there's some split or division so that the safe distancing measures are in place and there is a reduction in the risk of intermingling between groups of people. So that may be the new thinking when it comes to exhibitions. All right. In addition to the 2,500 people expected to attend this architectural trade show in person, another 5,000 slated to join online. That's huge, really huge. Uh, I will be attending my first sort of in-person moderation event next week. You know, the first one that I'm doing not uh, behind the screen. And uh, even, even then it feels, it feels unusual you know, to be moderating with pe actual people in the room. Yeah, you really may feel a difference when you yeah. have people in the room because you feed off the energy. Um, and just out of curiosity, yeah. what topic is it going to be about? Well, this is for the Milken Institute, a private roundtable, and we'll be talking about um, property post-COVID.
Oh, that would be an interesting one because property during COVID was so resilient. What's going to be next? <laughs> yes, that's true. Meanwhile, this is our second indication of uh, COVID-related change. U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has issued a warning. He says that while the U.S. economy is growing rapidly, it, quote, is important to remember we are not going back to the same economy. The post-COVID economy, he says, will be different. How so? Yeah, so this has been much reflecting what he's been saying for quite some time that COVID-19 is going to be leaving some scars and structural damage to the economy. So some jobs that were there before will not be there anymore. So that is the new type of situation that I think he is trying to get Americans to brace themselves for. And especially so when we are, or at least he is trying to get more Americans back into employment. So with that type of I guess, guidance. When he's talking about you know, looking for employment, it may be looking for a different job than what you were doing before because industries have changed and you have new industries emerging as well. So I think that is what he is trying to get at when he is painting this picture of a post-COVID-19 economy. It is going to be a new normal. Mm. Paul made those remarks while speaking on an International Monetary Fund panel, virtual panel. He's also warning that vaccinations efforts need to be global and that currently many emerging markets are lagging. Viruses don't respect borders, Powell warns, and markets will not be able to really resume activity with confidence until people in all countries are vaccinated. It's in all our interests, right, to have everybody vaccinated. Next up, let's move on to corporate news with one of our favourite segments called Up or Down. Regular listeners know how this works. I name an asset, an item in the news. Ryan tells us which way he thinks it's moving in a word, up or down. All right, uh, Ryan, what do you think? What do you think about Netflix? All right, I think it's an up. Do I just have to say one word, up? <laughs> sorry, sorry, no. It's one word and then explain. All right, so it struck a deal with um, with Sony, actually, to get the streaming rights for many of Sony's films, including the upcoming Super, or rather Spider-Man movies. So this is big because it will mean you can now have more to watch on Netflix. I'm not sure if that's going to be good news for us because we already have so much to watch on Netflix. Oh, this is great. Yeah, so we can be watching the franchises of Spider-Man, Venom and Jumanji soon. A lot more to really fill up your time. I don't know about you, but I've taken to serializing my favorite classic movies. I just finished my Dan Brown extravaganza and my Star Wars 9 episode extravaganza. So this is good news for me. So that's your weekend. (laughs) All right, next up, Chinese mobile phone maker called Utime. Yeah, so you might not have heard of Utime, but it was a huge blockbuster on day one of his um, market debut. So it was up nearly 2,600%. So from Oof. its IPO price of $4, it hit a high of $107. So from a market cap of around $33 million at its debut, it became $350 million. So no big or real fundamental reason why it seems like it's just a huge frenzy feeding on itself. And this is, wow, really giving it a record. I think it's the highest in recent times. Yeah, so if way up for Utime, the Chinese mobile phone maker. If you got in early, because uh, Utime, as, as Ryan mentioned, debuted 
In New York, at four US dollars a share, it did jump to more than a hundred dollars, but has since lost more than half of that rise. Mm. It is currently trading at around forty-one US dollars a share. Next up, BMW and Mercedes. Well, it looks like good news for them, so it's an up, and that's because BMW has joined rival Mercedes-Benz to report very robust first quarter sales numbers, and this driven by strong demand in China. Absolutely, I'd say up as well. Now, this next one, kind of tough, Tomasic Holdings. Okay, so this is around maybe some upside from Impossible Foods because Impossible Foods, the alternative meat maker, Mm -hmm. is reportedly looking to go public. And this is set to value it at around $10 billion or more. So it could go through the IPO route or a spec route. So that is one to watch out for in terms of details. It is still according to reports. Yeah, yeah, I'd say up to based on that. Golf memberships here in Singapore. Oh, that is going up. Where else can you go when you can't go overseas? You, <laughs> for some of you, head to the golf course. And that <laughs> is sending membership prices up. If you look at just the Sentosa Golf Club, you are looking at memberships now at around $350,000 for Singaporeans. And for foreigners, it is around half a million dollars. You could buy a house with that. I was just thinking that. You could buy a flat. So that is up 40% from pre-COVID times. So, wow. It is actually outperforming the markets. <laughs> I know Invest somebody who membership. actually used to have golf membership at every single club in Singapore. He loved golf, okay? And then he sold it because he thought, okay, let's, you know, get rid of it. I bet he wishes he held on to all of those. No. All right. Uh, well played, by the way, Ryan. I'm sorry I ate your prize. I was hungry. Oh, okay. I needed to have the ham and cheese sandwich. Now, one more story before we check in on this morning's market action. Bloomberg is running a story arguing that day traders in the U.S. are moving away from smaller meme stocks and they're focusing instead on blue chips like GM and Microsoft. So what do you think? Well, that could be a valid point there. That's because we are looking at larger inflows into sovereign bond and credit ETF. So that means the somewhat more conservative crowd, the investor crowd, which is a bit more mature, uh, typically the older generation or the boomer generation, those who might shy away more from the growth names, the really volatile stock markets, more fixed income type of play. So those investors may be making a big push into the markets now based on those inflows and part of, the, part of that is starting to be reflected in how that is seeing money going into blue, blue chip names. And in turn, seeing the fad around the meme stocks and the small cap stocks starting to fade. So that could be playing out right now as we see the next wave of money hitting the stock markets. The sovereign bonds and uh, certain types of ETFs? Mm, sovereign bond and credit ETFs, credit so fixed ETFs. income ETFs. Mm-hmm, okay. On to local stocks. The SDI finished lower yesterday for the third day in a row. It dropped 0.3% to 31.86. As of yesterday's close, the SDI is still in positive territory for the week. Ryan, how is it doing this morning? Yeah, that was a three-day losing streak. And if it stays like what it is right now, it will be four days in a row. Right now it's down 0.3%. 3,186 is the current level. And a quick snapshot of the STI, it is pretty much split across the board. Um, Half of it in the red, half of it in the green. And leading the way at the top is ST Engineering. It's up 1%. 
Uh, Yangjiang Shipbuilding is down right at the bottom, 0.7%. And what could be worth watching, Capital Corporation is in the news for winning a license to run a subsea cable business in Singapore. And so far this morning, it is still flat. So that is what we have so far. A rather steady start to most Asian markets. But for Singapore, we are on track for a four-day losing streak. Thank you very much and have a wonderful weekend. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.